Hello and welcome to another episode of Game on Zan, Spirekin's podcast where we talk about all things games, be it video games, board games, TTRPGs, or anything else. As you can guess, I am your host Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? And this is a long-awaited episode because I know it's been a while, but I've got to say I am excited because we're doing something a little different today, something really, really cool. Actually going to be talking with someone who is creating one of the most interesting and probably unique tabletop role-playing games I've seen in a while. And i got to say, it seems like a lot of fun. But beforehand, remember you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. You can email us at zan at spirekin.com. We're also on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram. Remember to hit the like and subscribe button below. And, okay, now that we've got that out of the way, where can they find you? Oh, goodness. Um, probably the easiest place is my Twitter. I'm most active on Twitter. And it's at the rock R-O-C-K. APOC, the Rock Apoc, on Twitter. That's that's the easiest place. I do exist on Facebook and whatnot, but that is probably the most active location. Awesome. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the podcast, talk about new and recent video games, tabletop games, etc. And we're talking about one of the coolest games I've seen in a while, Hard Rock Apocalypse. So if you could describe this game in one sentence, how would you describe it? Post-apocalyptic rock opera? Something along those lines. That works. Is So it sounds like it. Now, for all of our listeners and viewers, so what is it? But what is Hard Rock? Okay, so the idea originally came to me one night at work. There's a movie that I really love, and I think everybody should watch it. It's called uh, Six String Samurai. And it's kind of a, I would call it a B movie. It's a cult classic type film. But oh, it's an it. awesome movie with Buddy Holly. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wanted to do something kind of cross-genre to make something interesting for a game, something that I would want to play, something that I would think was interesting. And I've always been fascinated with the post-apocalyptic uh, scenarios. And so I took that genre and I was trying to think, you know, I didn't want to do like this, this comical kind of light rock or anything like that. So I thought, man, you know, I really love the whole like 70s, 80s album covers and I love like, you know, 80s, 90s role playing. And so I wanted to kind of cross all of those things with this extreme samurai and make a game that felt very 80s, 90s, but had that album cover attitude. And so that night it was born. And that was about two years ago. And uh, since then, you know, there's been some evolution. It's I think it stayed mostly true to, to the original concept. The concept is really engaging because the fact you have this world where you have the the progs, the rockers of the rock, versus the LBL, the label. And you have this great dynamic between them. And it's so cool that this is not your typical D&D, D20 system. No, I took several things that I had enjoyed about other uh, game engines and kind of tweaked them and then mixed them into this hybrid. And what it is, is it's a D6 pool system where you can't bank successes, but you can spend your successes. In other words, you'll roll a fistful of six-sided dice and you'll get that number of dice, that pool, based on adding an attribute and a skill. And then what happens is you're looking for sixes, of course, sixes. Uh, This is hard rock apocalypse after all. And when you get a six, that's a success. Any extra sixes that you get are considered chords. Now, your success guarantees that you passed whatever the, uh, the test was that you were attempting, say, pick a lock, you know, drive a car without crashing. But the chords, those can be spent on 
almost like bartering chips. Like there, there are tokens that you can negotiate the outcome to your favor in, in whatever way you can dream up, as long as your GM, which we call the devil's advocate, a DA in our in our game, you know, as long as they are on board with it for narrative continuity. So you're picking the lock and you have a cord, and you decide that you want to spend that cord on cracking the door a little bit and getting a peek inside the room without being noticed. That would be okay if you decided to spend that cord on opening the door and shooting all the bad guys inside the room and killing them. If you've got a really, really freestyle, like kind of uh, devil may care DA, he may very well allow that uh, if that's the kind of table that, you know, he runs. But on the other hand, that I wouldn't myself because the table that I run, that would be awfully extreme. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it, it's, it's set up in a way where it can be played to whatever level the table decides they want to play. But that's, that's one of the, the nice things about the mechanics. And I like that the first rule of the game, the six rules of Rock and the Apocalypse, is this is a game, have fun. And of course, number five, ruling over rules. Rules are meant to be broken, have fun. Yeah. Uh, so besides the dice system, let's actually get into some of the other core mechanics we have in this. So everyone is playing, like I said, a prog, a star, and you use the Halo devices. So what are the Halo devices? Okay, so the Halo devices are probably one of my favorite things and probably the most unique thing to our our system when devils and angels do warfare when they bring the apocalypse you know they always the devil has his golden fiddle angels play trumpets and have harps so like the halo is the name we gave these instruments and right now they're called halos because they're harmonic life obliterators (laughs) it's kind of a over-the-top kind of corny totally metal Totally metal. Yeah. And these halos, what they are is a device that it resembles like a, a halo. Not the kind that you wear over your head, though, but it's the same kind of shape. And what happens is, is you can focus your soul through the halo in order to manifest magic based on elements. So think avatar kind of, you know, you, you might have an air guitar or um, earth drums or something like that. And but they they're carried around in the halo. So you're not carrying a set of drums around with you. But when you want to use your drums, you would manifest them through the halo and the drums would appear in front of you and you'd start playing them. At that point, you would decide, you know, what you want to do. And you're only limited by your imagination and what the GM, again, you know, thinks is reasonable. But you could say with with, uh, earth drums, you could cause an earthquake or you could rise up a wall of earth to defend you and your allies or entomb the bad guys. But the more severe that the DA decides that the outcome is, the more difficult it is for you to do, but also you have to make a resonance roll to see if your body and mind can handle the energy because these halos were designed to end the world. They weren't designed for men to use. And so you can roll on a table and if you fail the resonance roll. And on this table, you can have things like slight nausea all the way up to like spontaneous combustion, you know, exploding and, and doing damage, not only destroying your character, but damaging your party and, and their supplies. Or, you know, you might just, uh, your brain runs out your nose. So halos, that's the tether we put on them to keep people from like nuking cities with them right out the gate. I mean, these things are capable of doing that. And so at high end, the game gets pretty unbelievable. <laughs> so what on earth, so, so let's say a level one, Oh, a level one character with a halo, uh, you're going to do things like maybe set somebody on fire if you had like a, a fire 
kazoo or you know maybe you can make a small wall of stone for cover or make a more risky test and do something like boil somebody's blood and and kill them or make vines come out of the ground and choke somebody out or something like that those would be reasonable and the resident penalty would be much less severe it wouldn't be it'd probably like just yes yes now Something I forgot to mention about the Halo is this also. Um, you also, as the player, will negotiate what would happen as a failed outcome of your role to manifest those results. So I, that sounds confusing. It's really simple. What happens is, is first you tell the DA, this is what I want to do. I want to set this guy over here on fire. And he says, okay, that's this specific difficulty number for a resonance test. So you roll your resonance dice. It's a single dice. And if you pass the resonance test, then... You take your rock and roll skill plus your soul stat. You put them together. That gives you your D6 pool. You roll the D6 pool. If you get one single success, then it manifests the way you wanted it to. If you get more successes, you can cord that. And if you get no successes, just before you roll those D6s, that's considered a test. Before you actually roll the test, you have to determine with the GM, you tell them what the failure looks like. So you negotiate your own failure in that case. Now, that doesn't happen during most skill tests, but with the Halo, because it's so important, we thought it would be fun that they get to manifest. It's kind of like wild magic. So let's say you're trying to start a, a, camp, a campfire with your fire kazoo, right? And you pass the resonance test and you you say, well, okay, before I roll my test, if I fail, our food supplies catch fire instead. And the DA says, yep, I like that. I like that. So then you roll your dice, you get successes, you start the campfire, you get no successes, your food supply catches fire and burns up, and now you've lost resources. If you got cords, it could be like, I start the campfire, and it provides extra heat and extra light that will definitely, it makes a blue eerie light, perhaps, or something, you know, that like keeps the predators even further at bay from the campsite. So that's kind of how that works in a nutshell. So what happens if you roll all sixes? I mean, if you've got a big pool and you roll all sixes, then really it's up to the DA, but sky's the limit. I mean, the more sixes you get, the more you bring to the table for negotiation with the DA. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that makes sense. I, yeah, yeah this, there's so much more that I want to reveal about the game, especially because of things we've talked about off of recording, especially the deal with the devil. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I probably should mention that. Thank you for asking. The deal with the devil is called, it's called the devil dice, and... It's a joke. It's, you know, a D666. What it is, is anytime you fail a dice roll or you have a pool of zero or less and you can't actually roll, you can petition the DA to make a deal with the devil, in which case he'll give you three D6 or a D666 and you you get to roll those. If you get any successes on that at all, it, your failure never happened. It counts as a regular roll. You can spend cords and all that. But if you don't get any successes, again, kind of in the same veins of the Halo, you know, negotiating your failure, you have to describe what you are paying the devil as contract, what, what, what the devil is due if you don't get successes. And so you determine what your critical failures, how critical failures work in our game. You decide if I don't get any successes, let's say I went to pick that lock and I failed. I say I want to make a deal with the devil. Okay, so now I decide that the devil's due is going to be that I trigger an alarm and so i roll those three six-sided dice and i don't get any successes now the alarm is triggered if i get successes and or cords i can spend them as if i was making a test and had succeeded now 
if I get a 666 on the devil's dice, this is the only time the 666 comes into play. If I get a 666 on the devil's dice, the devil makes a deal with you. You're actually able to sell a point of your soul stat permanently to him in order to get kind of like a Dragon Ball wish. You can negotiate with DA for a wish. Maybe have a demon kill a particularly pesky NPC that's been tracking your party down. Or maybe untold riches, you know, perhaps it's somebody falls in love with your character that you want or, you know, whatever. So that said, if your soul ever reaches zero and there are ways that you can actually lose soul, that's one of the uh, roll results on the resonance failure table. If your soul gets too low and you roll on that resonance failure table and you lose your last point of soul, you become a sellout. You become soulless and your character then becomes a villain. They become an NPC villain. So there's that risk making deals with the devil. <laughs> but that's what it is. Is the risk worth a reward? That's the question. Yeah. And so from here, we definitely, that is really cool. But let's actually talk about some of the quote unquote classes, but as you call them, the walks of the game. Because I like how you've changed things. So everything is referencing old music, old albums. And I like that the twist on so many of them. Like, for example, let's talk with the one which is based on that movie you talked about, The Six Shooter Samurai. Yeah, so originally he was called the Six-Gun Samurai, and then I found out after like a year and a half of calling him that that there was a comic book out there called Six-Gun Samurai, which I've yet to read, but now I'm totally curious about. But we call him the Six-Shooter Samurai now, and he is kind of our fighter class, and again, he's based on kind of the Six-String Samurai idea. Most of the classes and things that are represented in the game come from either a rock element or a pre-existing post-apocalyptic situation. We have a tank girl. We call her the Iron Maiden. And this is our paladin, a female-only class that has a small tank that they travel to wastes while dispensing God's wrath and good deeds. But the samurai, he's he's a pretty cool dude. He's my favorite. He's kind of become our mascot. His abilities are, he's got a, an ability called Be Quick or Be Dead, <laughs> which uh, if any of you know, it's a... Yep. Yeah, some old references to some rock stuff. That allows him to have an extreme boost to his initiative. The way we do initiative is you roll a dice and high scores go first, ties go at the same time, and your dice size ranging from a D4 all the way to a D20 is determined by a combination of stats or attributes. So he automatically defaults to a D20 for his initiative die because of that ability. He's based on a Japanese idea of um, the Iaido, which is like you know fast draw swords, and then you've got the fast draw gunslingers. It's, it's a combination of that. So Be Quick or Be Dead is all about that speed of initiative, and it also allows him to, I believe, make more than one attack per combat action and cut bullets out of the air, stuff like that. Yeah, so, so from there, we also have our Bard Bearing, which is going to be your Bard class. The Death Jockey, which is a necromancer, essentially. The Doctor Feelgood is your healer or cleric. Then, of course, the Monk, or Fist of the Rockstar. Gotta love that uh, Bronson reference. The Frontman. Is the Frontman your all-around, or is it just your tank? So he's kind of a tank. And what's interesting about him is that he's basically the result of a label super soldier experiment that went kind of awry and he has super super drugs in his system that are killing him daily it it kills him it it breaks him down and and as a result of being like modified to the point of being like just hyperhumans just super fast and strong so with him you know you'll be making rolls every day to see if he survives another day as his body breaks down he's called the front man because you know he tends to lead the front of the charge uh 
thing that he's, you know, kind of hulkish in a sense. Yeah. So he, I, I guess Tank would be the closest thing. Yeah. And then we have the Spell Slinger, the, the Motorhead, the Lizard King, it's to the Iron Maiden, and the Heavy Metallurgist, and last and not least, the Grunge Shaman. All these are very varied, and they have great ways to play them, I think, from what I've read so far on them. Yes, and we have uh, quite a few. I think we have like 15 other classes that I I can tell you one other one that's going to make it into our Kickstarter as a stretch goal, and we also have some other books planned that... um. We'll release those based on region. Like we have a South American book that we're calling the Red Hot Chile, as in the country, Preppers book. And these, one of the characters is our, I think we're calling him the Conquistador. And what he is, is, and the name might be different in the end, but he is a, uh, the Mexican wrestlers with the masks. Luchador, Luchador. Luchador, but what about a Luchistador? Luchistador. Ooh, now that's a nice, you know, that may make it in the book. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and so his whole thing is about grappling and kind of like charming. It's in works. But we've got about, like I said, maybe 10 to 20 more classes that we've designed for these games that are coming out. Uh, you're not games, but um, modules that are coming out in the future if this game is a success. And speaking of the Kickstarter, let's actually get to this. So the Kickstarter, when is it launching? And what are the initial perks that you get if you do okay. sign up for the Kickstarter? So the Kickstarter, we haven't. It's not, we're not sure on the launch date yet. It's, it's a little ways out still. Not, not, not terribly long. I'd like to do it by, I'd like to have this thing out by spring of next year, but um, you know, we'll see. We've got, we've got some work to do ahead of us. Uh, And this is our first game. So it's not my first game that I've ever designed to completion from scratch, but it's the first one that I've really tried to get published and have been moving forward on, you know, and kind of had the confidence to put out there to the world. So the Kickstarter date, we don't really have one yet. But hopefully we want to get it. Ideally, we'd like to have a booth at Gen Con next year. So uh, we'd like to have a Kickstarter sometime around or before then, maybe at latest right after. Perks of it, we'd, I'd like to do dice and maybe some alternate art covers. We've got a gentleman by the name of, his name is Ken Kelly, an artist by the name of Ken Kelly, who did the cover for the Kisses album, Destroyer. And he has already agreed to do the cover art for our book. It's a little expensive. <laughs> and so we're going to be counting on those Kickstarter dollars to help us make that a reality. And so that might be a stretch goal as well. I'd like to do something cooler with the character sheets. We've got some pretty neat character sheets as it is, but I'd like to do maybe like laminated ones or something that you can like some sort of like dry erase type situation with the character sheets. I'd like to do a cool map because like maybe a cloth map because this game is a hex crawl. So it's got a map of what we call the divided wastes of America. And it's going to be hex marked, like, you know, hex gridded out so that your characters will crawl from whatever location they decide to start at to anywhere else. I mean, it's it's open world in in the truest sense. They, you know, you do what you want to do and the GM has tables that they roll. It's kind of old school in that aspect where they'll roll a lot of look overworld and, you know, dungeon um, encounter tables. And it could be things like finding a hospital that's abandoned and, you know, getting some supplies or it could be a crashed airplane or it could be walking into an abandoned house and finding out that there's a large mutant bear inside the house that's defending you know the the pile of junk that your characters could find as a useful resource so having a nice large cloth map would be really cool that's something that i would like to see done for this game oh yeah that would be excellent i love the dice that you have already designed up for it 
Yeah, so they're, I mean, they're, they're crude. A friend of mine made them. This is his first attempt, but instead of the sixes, we have pentagrams. And that's ideally what I would like is to have dice sets as such with the pentagram for the sixes. It's really, really easy to roll them and, and see where your successes and chords are that way. And it sticks with the whole hard rock, heavy metal theme. Yeah, I really like that, especially with, you know, making deals with the devil and rolling three pentagrams. It's pretty, it's pretty satisfying. Oh. It is pretty epic, and can't wait to see where this is going next, and I do want to definitely do a more of a deep dive, but I'm thinking we might have to do a, a let's play of us running a game. I think we might have to do this to show how, how this game works. Absolutely. In fact, that's something that I've been wanting to do for a hot minute, and Zan, it would be amazing to let you have the first jab at that as well. So um, if well, we'll, like we'll talk about that further, off. We'll set that up. Mm-hmm. We'll set that up. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, so I know that you said that you had a little bit of a time crunch, so we'll put a pin in this for now, and we will come back to this in a bit. So this will probably be a part one of a series. We'll talk more about the series as it comes along. But anything you want to promote beforehand about this game beforehand? Any last remarks? Well, just that we're working hard at it. We're going to be at Gen Con. If you're going to be at Gen Con this year, we've got lots of available slots for people to, to join demo games and try out the scenario that we're having written by my friend Lauren Vitagre. She's a fantastic writer. She has a lot of experience in doing this kind of stuff for conventions, for other games. She did a Harry Potter scenario for a game uh, last year, the year before, that was quite successful. I think I might have won some awards for, um, you know, just the scenario. At any rate, she's writing one for us right now that's just about done. And that's what we're going to run at the, the convention. I'd love to see you guys there. I'll have Zan post my Facebook as a link, if you can, with yep. this. And you can contact me there. My name is John Schmidt. And you can contact me there about joining us at one of our tables. It's absolutely free. It's a three to four hour scenario. And would love to entertain you guys for an evening at the con and show you what we love about this game and why I think it's going to be a success. Also, I should say that we've got a lot of really talented people working with us. We've got Dan Smith of GURPS fame doing our art. Uh, Ed Bickford did our character sheet. Um, he's doing ray guns and robots. It's on Kickstarter right now. He's going to be doing some art. We've got some other artists lined up that I'm not going to mention their names right now until I've actually you know, paid them and had them do some work for us. And we've got a really famous writer that's going to work with us. But he asked, I didn't mention his name, only because uh, we think it's a good strategy for, for our campaign. He is somebody that's yeah. winning a lot of awards right now and people really like. He's not. We're not keeping his name secret for any shady reasons. He's actually quite popular and well-received at the moment. I think you guys will be really excited when his name does come out. Yep, mom's the word on that for now. I will say, though, it's like you said, if you want to play the game, Gen Con this year is going to be from the 16th of September to the 19th of September. That's a Thursday to Sunday, right? And that's ironically right before my anniversary, so that means I'm not going to be at Gen Con this year. But no worries. This is going to be a blast, I think. And the game, Hard Rock Apocalypse, totally worth checking out. So if you have any comments or concerns or questions... You can, like you said, email him. Do you have a Twitter account for Hard Rock? Just that at uh, at the Rock Apoc. Okay. The Rock Apoc one. It just T H E R O C K A P O C. Yep, and if or you could uh, tweet me, and I'll hit the message up to him, or you can message him on Facebook. And if you have any questions for us, remember you can email me at Zan. That's X A N Spirekin.com, or tweet me at Spirekin. Also on all those social media sites, you can check in the show notes below. I think that's it for this awesome rocking episode. I definitely would go deeper into this, but, well, you know how it goes. So anyway, guys, remember, this is Zan. I'm Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and keep playing awesome games.